0: Emmanuel, God with us. We've been going through 2 Peter chapter 1 and we've been looking at different habits that God has called us to have. But what's important for us to remember as we go through this list is that very word, Emmanuel, God with us. As Peter wrote these words, he goes through and he shares these different things, and at the end of Second Peter chapter one he says I in verse twelve, he says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities. I don't think we're going to have it up there. I don't think I have that, so it's okay to just listen. I intend to always remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. You know, the things we've been talking about aren't new things that you've never heard before. You, you know that you should, you should have these, these aspects in your life, this virtue, this knowledge, this self-control, steadfastness, and, and godliness would be the next in the list. Those aren't a surprise. But Peter says, it's right for me to remind you of these things so that you're stirred up by way of reminder. And Christmas is, is a good time for us to be stirred up. It's a good time for us to be reminded of Emmanuel, God with us. And he says that he wants to stir up the church because he says, I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. He's going to die soon. As our Lord Jesus made clear to me, he says, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. You should know this stuff. I don't want to stir you up. I want to remind you. And then he says something interesting. He says, for we did not follow, this is in verse 16, cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he says this. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We were there. We walked with Jesus. And then he says something interesting. He points to a particular moment. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory and said, in other words, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. and We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, that first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's not some myth, it's not some sort, just some story. Peter and, and the other disciples were very were eyewitnesses of what God had done. They saw Jesus, they walked with Jesus. they heard God literally speak from heaven. The scripture that we hold in our hands, the scripture that you're seeing on the screen, is something that's come directly from God. With that in mind, I want to look at Matthew 1:18. Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25, it says this: the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. And if you continue by the prophet, there we go, by the prophet. And this comes from, from Isaiah Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And they called his name Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. It makes all the, all the difference to understand and to know that. That God is not far away. God is not someone who came and, and created us, and creation, wound it up like a clock, if you will, and then walked away. He's with us. As a Christian, one of the things that we continually talk about that I don't know if we really understand is the aspect of His Holy Spirit that indwells us, that lives within us. So God walks with us, He goes with us every moment. It's such a mysterious and amazing thing to know that He is with us and not far away. Today, I want to simply examine that aspect of of why He came. As, he's, as he is with us, though, let's look at his mission, why he came, as we go through some, some scriptures in the New Testament in particular. I want to just be reminded, to stir you by way of reminder, as we said and as we read in 2 Peter, of why he came. He, he came to be with us, but he, he accomplished a lot of things while he was here, and I want us to consider why he's with us, why he came. I think one of the most well, the great place to start is simply in John 3.16. David's got these all in the computer, and Tyler's going to help us today. All right, man, appreciate that. So John 3.16, we probably don't even need to throw it up there, right? Probably have this memorized, but let's, let's see it again with fresh eyes, as if it's the first time. For God so loved the world, right, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. According to that verse, why did He come? He loved us. That's key. And there's another part in that verse as well. So He wouldn't perish. In other words, we would have eternal life. He came because... He loved us. He came to give us eternal life, and it's not, it's not just life that's long, okay? If we consider our lives now, there's probably some aspects of our lives right now that we're like, oh, man, this is never going to end, okay? Eternal life actually has, has probably more to do with quality of life in some ways as well than just being long-lasting, everlasting Let's look at John 10.10. This is a great example of that. Let's look at the reason why he came in John 10.10. So the thief, referring to the devil, comes only to what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Why did he come? According to this scripture, why did he come? We're adding on to the things that we've looked at, but why did he come? To give us life, abundant life. In other versions it says life to the full. So when we think about abundant life, we think about a lot of it, but what he's referring to when you look at the translation is life to the full, real life, the real stuff, the way that it was intended to be. I've come that you would have life and have it, Abundantly this is kind of where the name of the church comes from: real life. Abundant life, full life, an everlasting life that is full, right? But those two verses that we've looked at together, why did he come? Why did he come to be with us to give us everlasting life, to give us full and abundant life? In order for that to happen, of course, there's some things that have to be dealt with. Let's look at First Timothy chapter one. Verse 15. Let's look at another reason why he came. First 1 Timothy 1.15 says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to what? To save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. He came to to save sinners. Sin has to be dealt with in order for us to be able to experience life, to experience real life, full life, to understand um, what it's all about. We needed to be forgiven. Came into the world to save sinners of whom, as Paul is writing in this passage, of whom I am the worst, came to save us. In John 12, Let's look at another one, John chapter 12, verse verse 46. And uh, I would I know we have these on the screen, but I, I feel like we miss out when you all aren't flipping pages or, or pulling up stuff. So this is what we're gonna do. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna call for some engagement this morning. So this is ESV up here. All right. And I want a couple of you to find different versions, anything but the ESV. So it could be NIV could be King James, God forbid. Um, It's not my favorite. New King James, the message. Somebody needs to get the message. That would be really cool to see some of that. Who's got the message? Raise your hand. Say, I'll be the message person. Anybody, anybody, anybody. This is not a hard thing. You can do this. Catherine, don't make me pick on you. (laughs) All right. Diane's got the message, but she will have it. She is She is committed having the message. Who will uh, read NIV for me? Eric, I got you back there. Okay. Um, we've got message, we've got NIV. we got to have, you know what, a lot of the Christmas stuff we hear on TV with Linus. That was in King James. So who's going to be our King, King Jimmy guy? Alright, I got you Brad. Well, let's do one more version. What else should we pull up? That's another one. Let's do that. Let's do New Living Translation, NLT. Who's got that? Thank you. All right. Awesome. Okay, so John 12, 46. I'm going to read it up here first. I have come into the world as what? As light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness all right so let's go king Jamie. thank you eric that again I I like that and you have the message right How important is it to have light you don't you don't realize or appreciate things it seems at times until you don't have it. Diane and I pray for us about this have a issue with heat in our house. It's a really bad time for that you know you take things for granted and then you you don't have them and you're like man we so we got this like one of those little portable heaters like in our room trying to stay warm. We do have gas logs downstairs thankfully but you don't realize how much you miss something until you don't have it. But Jesus said, "I've I've come. I I am the light. You don't have to walk in darkness. Walking in darkness refers to several different things, but but in understanding what life is about, you know, being forgiven in of your sins, not living a life in darkness, in spiritual darkness, is the primary thing that I think he's referring to. Can you keep that passage up for me, Tyler? And so. And so he came come into the world as light, so that what? So whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Let's look let's look at another one. Same versions, okay? And we'll just go in the same order each time just for fun. Okay? So first John chapter three verse eight. First John, not John, but first John chapter three verse eight. Why did he come? call who Emmanuel.
1: People sin, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been saying since the beginning, but the Son of God can't destroy the works of the devil. Mm-hmm. So, my good children, don't let anyone diverge from the truth. It's the person who acts right who is right, just as we see it left out in our righteous society. Those who make a practice of sin are straight from devil, the devil,
0: Uh, The ESV, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. I like that it says makes a practice of, okay? But it says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Why did he come? To destroy the works of the devil. How encouraging is that, you know? is there something in your life you can think of that you've bumped into that you say, that is clearly the work of the devil? You know? We don't like to talk about, we don't like to even talk about the devil very often, do we? You know, it's kind of like this, this hush, silent, as if he doesn't exist. Uh, and uh, we, that's really not a good idea because we forget about Ephesians chapter 6 and what spiritual warfare is. There is someone who is actively against the children of God. Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the devil. If you go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, there's a, there's a prophecy of, of Jesus, actually, that goes all the way back to the beginning. In fact, this is just on a whim, but let's, let's flip there or turn there. You're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, maybe? We got to look at this. This is key. It is chapter three. There we go. Okay. Chapter three, verse fourteen. Genesis 3:14 Are you there? All right, Mr. Brad.
1: Um
0: keep going. You have to put verse 15 in there too. That's the key verse. I'm sorry. Say that again. The last part, you will what? The last line. You will your head and you will your heel. Right. That's very key. Yeah. Go
1: ahead. God
0: Okay so I'm going to remind you something else scripture says uh, script, scripture says that we are a priesthood of believers if you are a Christian you are a part of the priesthood. You're all priests. Isn't that what it says? Does anybody disagree? Okay. All right. So with that being said, I just want to give some background why I'm doing this. Okay. Tell me what that means. What's the point? Think through what you know about Scripture, what you've studied. What is the whole point of that? Why am I pointing out Genesis, that it's really a, it's a prophecy actually by god himself directly when he's talking to adam and eve and he says this as it refers to the serpent and the heel what's going on there don't be afraid of being wrong just <laughs> But let's put this in context. I'm going to ask you some questions. The context is this: first of all, Adam and Eve this is the very this is the first sin, right This is what's referred to as as the fall of man, okay sin as we understand, scripture caused a separation between man and god okay they were they were banished from from the garden so this is this is following. When sin has just entered into the world, there's been a, just a, a major breakdown here because of sin. Simple disobedience to God has a long and lasting effect. In fact, the weight of sin as it carries on on, on mankind, on creation, until Jesus came and did the work on the cross, a pretty big deal. And so we read a moment ago that, that Jesus said that he, would, he came to destroy the works of the devil. So I think we, we agree. Uh, who's the serpent? Satan, right. Don't say squirrel or Jesus, by the way, for those of you guys that, are, that know that joke, okay? So yeah, it's Satan, okay? And, and, and so who is the heel? Anybody know? I'll put enmity between you... And the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And really the the best translation is what Eric said back there when you understand what the New Testament says. The heel is Christ. Satan it says and we see this repeated in Revelation is going after the children of God. The woman and her offspring, the woman is considered the bride of Christ. It's a, it's always it's a female term as as believers gathered together as the church we are we are the bride of Christ. And you see this kind of echoed in Revelation. Genesis and Revelation there's kind of mirror images, kind of echoes uh, I encourage you to study both of them side by side sometime. You'll see that I'm not crazy. It might sound a little weird at first, okay? But Satan is going after the children of God. We know that according to 1 Peter, it says that he, he prowls around like a roaring lion, right, seeking whom he may devour. We read in Ephesians 6 about spiritual warfare and all these things. So Satan is, is coming after the children of God. But here's the thing is that he's only going to bruise the heel, when when Jesus died on the cross, it might if it had stayed right there, then Satan would have been victorious, wouldn't he? Killed the Son of God. But what happened three days later? He rose from the dead. And according to Scripture, we see the victory over sin and death. And so Satan strikes at at the heel, but it says that the heel crushes the head of the snake. And we see that in the New Testament, which I could remember this particular passage, but it says it says that God will soon crush Satan under his feet. And if y'all want to Google that at some point, maybe we'll pull it up later in, in the message. But that's what this is about. And so Jesus says, I came to destroy the work of the devil. The work of the devil meaning, you know, think about it, you know, if he just... If he just forgave us for sins we did yesterday, well, what about today? What about tomorrow? You know, sin and death was dealt with once and for all. Satan and, and, and his demons are dealt with once and for all as well. Or they, they will be, okay? And so he says, I came to destroy the works of the devil. Essentially, they've already lost. There's, there's a moment where God will complete the rest of the equation, if you will. But he says, that's why I came. I came to destroy the work of the devil. somebody hunting down that other verse? I'm just curious. If you're not, we'll find it later. What's that? Rock and roll. Romans 1620. Can you say it one more time? That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm not crazy, I tell you. Okay. Let's keep going. We're almost done. So again, he came to do what? Spit it out for me. Come on. To destroy the works of the devil. Okay. Let's look at Mark chapter ten, verse forty five. We're going to move a little bit quicker, so I need you guys to punch in those buttons. All right. Doesn't like you anymore? Okay, we'll just skip King James from now on. They'll speed us up a little bit. Eric, when you're ready, Mark 10 45. Ten forty five. Yeah. yeah, you got it. Good. For even the son of man
1: came not to be served, but to serve others and to give up his life as a ransom to me. Thank you. Got it.
0: why did he come to serve to give his life as a ransom yeah a ransom for who for us pretty awesome for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many I, this is just want to point out a little quick side note with this jesus came to what's the first thing to what to serve, right? Not to be served. It's interesting that one of the things that we learn in Scripture is that we're called to be like Christ. In 1 Peter it says, be holy for, for I am holy. We're called to be like Him. If Jesus said that He came to serve, what are we called to do? We're called to serve. Yet it seems so many, so many ways that it becomes the other way around. We want people to serve us, you know? Um, Sometimes church has kind of been a little wonky because we, we have people that come to church many times with that. Uh, they want to sit back and be served, right? And I'm not, We love our coffee, okay, but, but it's not about the coffee, right? It's not about great music and, and lights and, and, and us sitting and just taking, in other words, right? Those things are great. Those things are encouraging, but the church is not meant for us to, to just be served which is another reason why I'm getting you involved today, okay? Another way of just taking is, well, I just come and listen to somebody else teach. Well, what are you doing, right? God has not called pastors, for example, to, to be like a mama bird that eats the food and chews it up and spits it in their mouths, right? It's just not. That's not. He says that we are a priesthood, I mean, several together. And he calls pastors, and this is something I want to get better at, for the equipping of the saints, equipping you for the works of what? Who knows that verse? Service. He didn't come to serve, but to serve. He's called us to be servants, that that would be our highest aim. Is that how you see church, I wonder? Do you see yourself as, when you come, learning to be more of a servant? Are, where are you serving right now? What are you doing? So it's, a, it's a weird kind of change of mind in America in particular, you know, because we have, we have so much stuff, um, but it's about us being equipped to do something for others. That's huge, and, and it's just a simple thing, but it's, it's been in Scripture all along. But the way that we look at, at church often, we, we come for, for the wrong reasons. And so we need to be like Christ. We need to serve like him. I'm going to keep moving on, okay? Uh, just two more passages in particular, and we'll be through Ephesians uh Ephesians 2.17. Eric, when you got it, spit it out, buddy. Peace. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. What did, he, what, did he, what did he come for? Again, peace. See, everything ties together. There really cannot be peace until sin is dealt with, until the works of the devil are dealt with. For us to have forgiveness and everlasting life, let's look at one more thing in Isaiah. We're going to go to the Old Testament here. It's a great, great passage. Isaiah 61 1 through 3, and I'm just going to read it so we can, we can keep moving. I don't want to keep us too long here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And Jesus literally read this passage when we read the New Testament. He was in a, a temple one day uh, and read this and said, Today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Because Jesus said that this is who he was. The Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the, of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Ashes, by the way, was something that you put on your head in a time of mourning or in a time of repentance to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. It's such a powerful passage when we consider why he came. When you consider the Christmas story, when you consider the players in Christmas that we're used to hearing about, you consider Mary, consider Joseph, consider the shepherds, you consider the wise men, I want you to think about starting at the very beginning how God with us, Emmanuel, was with them how he was with Mary. There was a point in Scripture that says, Mary, after the, the wise men came, it says Mary began to ponder all these things in her heart. I want to encourage you to kind of be like Mary this morning. With all the stuff we've been looking at, we've been thinking through, is to ponder. I want to encourage you to ponder Christmas, to ponder what it means that God is with us, why Jesus He was with Mary in in so many ways, just to briefly shotgun this, right? He was with Mary, uh, who here's a a virgin who is all of a sudden found to be pregnant. Just can't imagine trying to explain that to those around you. This is something that God did. The amount of, of faith that she would have had to exhibit and trust in God. God was with her. He was also with Joseph. Joseph, who was a good man, it says, who didn't want to put her to open shame, was willing to just quietly divorce her and say, "Well, I don't really know what happened, Mary, but I love you, and let's just, you know, we'll part ways." Till so God showed up in a dream and said, "No, no, no. What's happened? Mary's telling the truth. What's happened with her is is my doing. I'm." fixing to do something amazing among you. You know, and then it says that, you know, here's a newlywed couple Uh, he had I don't want to go there. He was with Joseph. Okay? He was with Mary. He was with Joseph. He was with people like the shepherds who were the lowly and left out. In fact, the first announcement, a uh, general announcement, was to a bunch of shepherds out in the in the fields. Shepherds typically were considered the lowliest of the low. He was with the lowly, the left out, and the forgotten, and he was with—this is cool to me—people who were seeking him. We've got some wise men that come, it says, from a long way off out basically in Persia. They have been looking. They have been earnestly seeking for him. What I find in, in Scripture that's really cool in the book of Proverbs, it says, if you really seek after me, God says, if you seek after me as you would hidden treasure. We've got a whole... Section of stuff we could talk about in history class about the Wild West and everyone just going and digging for gold and losing their life over gold and hunting and spending hours and years in their lifetime trying to strike it rich, right, going out west. If you seek me as you would seek hidden treasure, it says it you will find me. And here's these wise men that come from Persia and to the point that God says, you know what, I know your heart of a seeker, I'm even going to provide you. This is what God does with what? What does he give them? A star. And Dennis knows how crazy this is, being a science geek, right? A star that moves. That doesn't just happen. Not a star that moves like this. That was supernatural. God with us and with us, with us now as we consider the Holy Spirit, and with Him forever. The last and final verse for today, let's look at Revelation 21, verses 3 through 4 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their god. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. It gives new meaning to the verse that the old is gone and the new is come, and there's still newer things to come. When we consider this passage, revelation. Would you stand with me? Yeah.
1: Would you sit back down for just a minute, please? Lance, I'm, I'm catching Lance off guard, but as I've been listening this morning and the way that we have tied the original sin back in Genesis to Jesus' coming to bring light in the darkness... It reminded me of a video that I saw um, on Facebook a couple of weeks ago that somebody had shared, and it's a, a depiction of this entire thing um, that we've been talking about this morning from the original sin to Jesus bringing light in dance form. And it was on one of the talent, America's Got Talent, or one of those shows. Um, but I just thought it would be cool for us to watch it as we get ready to close because it just encapsulates everything that we've talked about through... Your drama is just two minutes. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed this video.
0: Let's stand. Before we pray, just ponder these things, Lord. We thank you that you are Emmanuel. You're God with us, and Lord, even in this moment, Lord, You're here. Lord, Your Spirit um, is among us. Lord, help us to see, understand that, and know that. Lord, help us to to remember that, to to feel that, Lord. I think we we need that, Lord, as we go through this day, as we go through this week, to be reminded of your presence with us. God with us. We thank you that we're never alone. We thank you that because of the power of your spirit, we're able to live the life you've called us to. Lord, we look forward to Lord, your second coming, as we've read in Revelation, Lord, where we'll be with you forever. Lord, we, as we are reminded today of why you came and, Lord, why you're here and why you remain, Lord, we pray that, that we would live for you, that we would honor you. Lord, that we would do what you have done, Lord, and that you came to serve. Lord, let us be servants. Let us be more like you. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, thank you for a new life. We're thankful, Lord, that as it says in Romans, Lord, that you will soon crush Satan under your feet. We celebrate that. We love you. We thank you for this day and for this Christmas season. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. Amen.